0: As we begin a new series on the Gospel of John, um, there are three different ways of doing the the first message. Either just take a chunk of the chapter, I, I, the first chapter, we delve into it, or stay much on just the background and historical things and introduction of the Gospel. But I thought... Both are needed. So let's go over the overview and some background information that will be very helpful for us so that you will be encouraged and motivated even studying and reading the scripture, the gospel of John alone at home as well each week. So to begin with, Author and background, and obviously, the the title of the gospel suggests Gospel of John. So, not, no one has written the author's name in the gospel. As a matter of fact, the author himself refers to him as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The obvious thing is because there was a John the Elder in the first century, a different person. But in, throughout the h- church history, it would continually be clear that the author is John, the son of Zebedee. Um, one of those 12 disciples often referred to, to the gospel, uh, the, the apostle John. Apostle John also wrote 1st John, 2nd John, and 3rd John, three letters to the first century uh, church, a circulating letter, and the last book of the New Testament, Revelation. John originally intended to have his target audience was both Jew and Gentiles living in the Greco-Roman world. Because it was written after three other Gospels, the church was founded and a little bit mature into that, and towards the end of first century, John's intent, obviously, was very different from those three other Gospels. Accounts. And his primary concern and aim was that people will see and read. It's apparently clear Jesus is the long awaited Messiah. Uh, Messiah being the Hebrew word, Greek word would be the Christ and the Son of God. And that by believing in Him, all may have eternal life. So, in that Greco-Roman world, John is immersed in that culture. So he uses totally different approach, which led John to start the gospel radically different from three other. Gospels. We'll find out a little more. As the purpose and theme verses, the purpose on this Gospel is clearly stated by the author himself in John twenty thirty one. but contextually we will read 30 and 31 together. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have it, you may have life in his name. So obviously John had uh, two purposes. The apparent central purpose is the evangelistic. That The readers may know Jesus Christ as the son of God and by believing have eternal life and saving faith. But the part that I was surprised by is the depth of John's teaching. One of the scholars kind of mentioned this. John uses only 600 words vocabulary. In other words, even a child can understand it. But his choice of words and his economy of words is loaded with depth. When John uses a sentence, he doesn't use it for the heck of it to explain what happened. He's intentionally choosing the word. And so it will be important for us to pay attention to the key words like light, word, uh, believe, and those key words are continually repeated intentionally. So because of that, the depth of his teaching implies that the leader's second and, uh, uh, purpose of the twofold purpose would be the leader, readers may also grow in a, into a rich, well-informed faith. John 10.10 comes to our mind. If the first one was John 3.16, For God so loved the world He gave His only begotten Son, whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal, everlasting life. Simple. Probably the most well-known, most famous passage in the whole Bible. But John 10.10 also implies his intent that you may know Jesus and might have this life, and not just flimsy, uh, mediocre way, but might have it have it abundantly. Um, I, I think I already went over that, let's go over, key differences from uh, the three synoptic Gospels. The word synoptic has a two root word, right, syn, together, or with, the synonym like that, and optic is sight, the ophthalmology and optical things that came out of that. So so three gospel writers had a separate account of eyewitness account, but they had a similar view. They have a similar approach. They started usually the beginning of birth and chronologically. But John's distinction, this will be helpful for us. Let's start with focus. Synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke tend to have more focus on what Jesus taught and did. Lots of parables. But the Gospel of John focuses more on who Jesus is. Rarely um, you will see the short parables in John. And because of that Synoptic Gospels' storytelling is about earthly story, what happened. They usually don't make even comments, reflective comments, unlike John. But John makes every story, even if physical things happen, he will take heavenly meaning, spiritual meaning that approach that. Synoptic Gospels emphasizes Each of those Gospels emphasizes Jesus' humanity. The words like Son of David and Son of Man is repeated over and over. Gospel of John emphasizes God, Jesus' deity. Son of God is the title continually being used after the word uh, in John chapter 1, today's prologue. Synoptic Gospels also, Jesus' saying is generally short. I mentioned in a lot of parables. But Gospel of John is more of long discourses of Jesus. Such as the I am statement. Um, I am the good shepherd. I am the door. I'm bre- I am the bread of life. And those teachings were sometimes elaborate. And Jesus' prayer, high priestly prayer, and John chapter 17, his entire chapter is Jesus' prayer. Nowhere in Synoptic Gospel is like that. And as I mentioned, Synoptic Gospels all begins, begin with the birth or human genealogy or the baptism of Jesus. Chronological order. But John's approach begins with the creation of the world and then Jesus' identity in that creation of the world which is very doctrinal as opposed to chronological or biological approach. So this is a part that we want to kind of get excited a little more as I uh, mentioned just before we we started this message it is written for all each gospel has target audience Matthew is mostly intended for Jewish people so a lot of quotation from the Old Testament because that's much necessary and Mark is probably Romans back in the days. And Luke, Gentiles, the people are outcasts. But John, Jewish and the Gentiles, moreover, as I mentioned in the purpose, non-Christians as well as the Christians. So this is a typical thing that I would do. Um, People who became a Christian, where do, where do I start? Do I start with Matthew? And then usually we are, if our friends became a Christian, we're a little worried that person begins with Matthew. Because begets, begets, whole chapter, name of that, he gets just lost, right? We would typically re- recommend, I would typically recommend to a non-Christian who's really interested Or Christian who just became a Christian, want to grow, start with Gospel of John. In that way, Gospel of John is just plain enough and you could understand the way of salvation. God clarifies in that. And after that, you could start, keep going with Book of Acts and so on. Brothers and sisters, I know many of you have been growing, especially at Crossway. I, I'm really thankful. Your interest and your passion for the Word of God has grown tremendously. And you think that John's Gospel of John is something too easy for new believers. I will tell you, the part that Christians will find that you will find gospel of John deeper than any well. You know one of those books that you read and then if you read first time, time reading and you know the ending, the second time it takes the old fun of it because you feel like you know you know it all. But there are books we go back over and over because you catch the things that you haven't noticed in the beginning. I guess movies like that too, right so if you are, if you have a favorite book as you go back and there's so much depth in that because of that, the unique benefits it is offers not only an easy to understand account gospel account for unbelievers and new believers but also it offers spiritual depth for growing believers unlike any other gospels the topic of trinity of god and sovereignty of god election of god show up which is one of the things that i think I actually talked with Bo about this in the middle of our mini series, could be tulip series. Uh, you guys heard the word of Reformed theology quite a bit. <laughs> and that at the center of a uh, Reformed theology is uh, Calvinism, and Calvinism is summarized in the acronym t- tulip. Uh, we are not so concerned about system of theology, but understanding scripture d- deeply and sound doctrine, this is a great way to understand that. But much of the reformed theology, sovereignty of God, election of God, and trinity of God is in that, in this gospel, even today. Alan Radpath, I quoted Alan Radpath during our David series a few times, He writes, the Gospel of John is shallow enough for a child to wade in and deep enough for an elephant to swim in. So I have a genuine excitement, not only for myself as I'm looking forward to studying deeper, but to all of you, each one of you, that you will be ignited about who Jesus is in our lives. And every day. Just a little more. Let's look at the quick overview and structure. John could be divided into four parts. Uh, We are going to start the prologue of today. The three verses of those 18 verses. Uh, We'll take two more messages on that prologue. After today. And then. The chunk of it is, uh, up to chapter 12, is public ministry. What, what do we mean by public ministry? Jesus' public ministry to the Israelites, to the, to the people of Israel. His self-declosure but he, he's that Jesus is God through signs and teachings to Israel. So what happens is, as he's disclosing himself, more and more, more oppositions happen. It builds up. In chapter 13 through chapter 20, we might as well call it private ministry. Because Jesus' self-disclosure is now his inner circle of friends, 12 disciples. And he explains much about what's going to happen. (coughs) Isn't it interesting? Chapter 1 through 12 is probably close to three years. Chapter 13, if we count even anointing of his feet and the triumphal entry into Jerusalem chapter 12 to 21 is few days that many chapters are allocated to private teaching revelation to his disciples the richness of that because of that synoptic gospels do not have a lot of materials original materials that John contains Maybe that he was intentional also too. Some scholars say ninety-two percent of John's gospel is original. Epilogue um, is post resurrection reinstating Peter and John to you love me three times back on that. And that reinstatement was actually symbolic to the entire 12 disciples and even to us. So that's a simple structure. As I mentioned before we'll take a break at the end of uh, chapter 12 sometime next year. Another way of looking at it because John is such an intentional person begins with I want to tell you about Jesus but I want to tell you right up front who Jesus is Jesus is God and the rest of the chapter he uses stories and teachings to back that up and then um, in those 12 chapters there's John doesn't use the word miracle It was intentional as well, because the signs for his divinity, that Jesus is God, is used the word as signs. Seven signs, starting with uh, the miracle of Cana, as we know, changing water to wine in chapter chapter 2, healing of an official's son in chapter 4, sign number 2, Sign number three is uh, healing the paralytic in chapter five. Sign number four, feeding the thousand, I'm sorry, five thousand in chapter six. And then sign number five, walking on water chapter six. Sign four and five are only the same stories repeated in other um, synoptic gospels too. But other signs are unique to John in gospel. Sign number six, healing a man born blind, chapter nine. Sign number seven, raising Lazarus, a brother of Mary and Martha, uh, from the dead in chapter 11. This is intentional as well, that his power revealed to the resurrection power at the end. I think it's also to, important to uh, recognize what John is doing through these stories and as we pay attention so these are the, it feels like a layers after layers coming up John reveals much about who Jesus is as the Son of God. Another way of looking at it is the 7 I am statement by Jesus. his teaching. Exodus chapter 3 and 4 when Moses was in burning bush I don't know your name how do I go to my people and say, who do I say you are? Tell me your name. And this is the Lord response. Tell them I am that I am. I am that I am. The Hebrew word doesn't have a vowel. And because of reverence, in some Asian co- countries uh, do that too. You don't call your your dad's first name. Uh, there's a proper way of saying your da- your dad's name in reverence, especially to others. And similarly, in Hebrew culture, the culture revered God's name so much in order for any manuscript to happen. They will take a bath and come back and write his name. A lot of times changing into the Lord, Elohim. And they didn't pronounce the word the way that we understand now, Yahweh. The scholars think that it's the closest one. But check this out. Over the years, they forgot how to pronounce so, the later days, what happened was they took Elohim in that vowel and plugged it into the YWH, those words. So, Yohoah became the closest one and then moved to Germany, the German letters and all that. J's Y sound like a J, right? It's a Yeshua became Jesus, right? Th- that's how we got so messed up, English words. <laughs> Yaakov means became Jacob, like that. Jehovah, it became like that. So, Jehovah's Witnesses still stick to Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't say Yahweh Witnesses. Um, Coming back to today's text, that word, I am, that I am, meant self-existence, self-sufficiency. God doesn't need any cause. God doesn't need any other factor. God doesn't change. God doesn't become anything. God is unchanging yesterday, today, forever, because God is perfect. God has no beginning. So to us, this is a very difficult concept, isn't it? But John goes at it. Because at least the Jewish people know this I am statement. In the seven I am statement, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And I am the true vine. The last way of looking at the whole gospel is looking at the passion story, passion week. And the suffering, death, and resurrection of Jesus. And mostly in chapter 12 through chapter 21. All of it actually. Anointing of Jesus' feet, triumphal entry I mentioned. Uh, Jesus predicts his death. And belief and unbelief among the Jews. Farewell discourse and uh, prayer. Uh, another way of looking at it is the upper room discourse because that happened in the upper room the night before. The whole thing, chapter 13 to chapter 17 happened there. And betrayal and arrest. trial before Jewish and Roman officials, and crucifixion and burial, and death and burial, and then finally resurrection and the reinstatement of the disciples post-resurrection. You could find those things in our church website, So if you don't have the notes yet, uh, don't worry about it. There's some things that are more important to pay attention. Let me focus on key themes. As I mentioned, Jesus is God. Jesus himself is a focal point, not what Jesus did. But because of that, Jesus is God, is main theme, that he exists before the creation of the world, he has a supernatural knowledge. He fulfills the Jewish festivals and institutions. As the sent son of God, he reflects the sender signs and witnesses demonstrate that he is the Messiah, the Christ. Um, one of the things that emerge out of this is give us so much depth is the fact that the doctrine of incarnation. That Jesus is not 50% man and 50% God, but Jesus is perfect, full man and perfect, full God. What would that look like? When Jesus emptied himself, did he lay down attributes of God? That he wouldn't be God anymore. That he's fully God. And then first century. Cultic. Ideas. That Jesus was merely spirit. He doesn't have a human body. Then that wouldn't be. Incarnated. uh, Incarnation of full God. So we will explore much more on this. And then it will become uh, clear, uh, more clear in every day. I get excited about this because there are caricatures of Jesus. Not a biblical Jesus, but Jesus that people make in their own head using some of the scriptures, things that they only like. The new age Jesus. Even though they use the word Jesus. That doesn't mean the biblical Jesus. It's a human Jesus. It's a very meek. uh, Nice. Gentle Jesus. Who doesn't have absolute sovereignty. Absolute. All knowing. All powerful. Attributes of God. And because of that, the shallowness of our Christian practice and faith comes out of view, weak view of who Jesus is. Thinking wrongly about God. triune God. Second theme is the Trinity. If we don't understand Trinity fully, our, our faith will be shallow and which results in (laughs) erroneous ideas. uh, Maybe two most well-known largest cultic movement. Uh, They're so large that it's sociologically speaking, the sociologists will not categorize them as cults. But theologically speaking, erroneous idea that they are they have deviated from the historical faith of Jesus Christ. And it's all had to do with the denying Trinity of God. The Jehovah's Witness to begin with. and Jehovah's Witness, idea, Jesus was created being. Um, And Mormons have a polytheistic idea, polytheistic idea, which means every human being has a potential to become God and Jesus, Jesus became God, a God, and then many others can become God. But the Trinity of God is so embedded in every passage, including today. See if you could pay attention to that. The third theme is salvation and eternal life. Those are two same same words, but eternal life seems to be John's favorite words, and God is sovereign in salvation. God unconditionally chooses whom he elects to be saved. Uh, Jesus' death uh, is the base of that salvation which is obtained through believing in the living Jesus as the Son of God, and Jesus is the giver of eternal life. And the fourth and last one is mission. Believers are called to continue Jesus' mission. To live out the life and mission of Jesus continuously. The book of Acts is a continuation of that. Acts of the Apostles. Well, actually the correct way of saying it is the Acts of the Holy Spirit in and through the Apostles but applying to ourselves if there is a chapter 29 and 30 continuing on <coughs> not in the <coughs> infallible way but in the spirit continually living in, in and through every every believer in Christ that mission continues as well <coughs> okay allow me take 10 minutes to spend first three verses now. There are four ways that John introduced Jesus as God in the beginning of his gospel as a prologue. Uh, D.A. Carlson calls the prologue as this prologue is like a foyer to a, to an entire house which gives you general idea what that house will look like, unlike other synoptic uh, uh, three other gospels. And Jesus starts with very radical sentence. In the beginning. In the beginning of what? In the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. In the Jesus' beginning of earthly life. No, that would be an approach. Of the synoptic gospel, in the beginning is Genesis one one. The same phrase, uh, the Greek Old Testament would use. The same the word phrase. In the beginning, God created heaven and earth. in th- In that beginning, in the beginning of everything, in the beginning of everything happened, was the word, and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning of beginning with God all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made the first way that John introduced Jesus as God is the word in the beginning implies Jesus' pre-existence existence as the uncreated being. When I use the word uncreated being, you're probably, what, what is that? Because we are all created being. Even in human religion, God is created. So something is made by God. So t- typical non christians question, who made God? Some Something made God would lead into this conclusion that is not God anymore, true God anymore. The essence of godness, divinity that God is uncreated He's not made. Jesus has no beginning because he was not created. That incredible, the concept is very difficult. A.W. Tozer poignantly writes this. Tozer writes, When we try to focus our thought upon one who is pure, uncreated being, we may see nothing at all. For he dwelt in, in light that no man can approach unto. Only by faith and love are we able to glimpse him As he passes by our shelter in the cleft of the rock, the human mind being created has an understandable uneasiness about the uncreated. We do not find it comfortable to allow for the presence of one who is wholly outside of the circle of our familiar knowledge. We tend to be disquieted By the thought of one who does not account to us for his being. Who is responsible to no one. Who is self-existent, self-independent, and self-sufficient. Let that thought simmer into your heart just a little bit. I think one of the aims that we should have is destroy the caricatures of Jesus. The caricature of Jesus, the culture produced. God he exists before the, the universe in the beginning and Jesus exists Before the beginning. Before the universe. Because he is God. The second way John introduced Jesus as God. Is the word. To use the word word. Jesus identity. As the word. It it is the Greek word. Logos from which we got the word logic. But this is more than the way we uh, Americans would understand in the beginning. There was logic. Impersonal, um, conceptual, theoretical things. But John knew Greco-Roman's mindset. The Hellenistic, Greek influence of the, the concept. And the Greek philosophy suggests that, that everything is hindered upon this logos, I- idea. And to a point that maybe the Star Wars fan will uh, get excited about this, they took it to the ultimate force of the universe is the word. May the force be with you. We need to change that and Christianize it. And more biblicalize it in a way that may the word be with you. That would be a new greeting for us. And John takes that and put it into a new meaning into it. Because basically he's saying, no, it's not an ideology and it's not an idea is not mere impersonal force it is person the second person of godhead and for the jewish people this was a lot easier to accept why in the in the beginning there was word that there god said how did god create the universe by the word simply he didn't do anything he said let there be light. His self-expression. The word. Created the universe. And the John is saying. That word is Jesus Christ. The Old Testament. Is full of this. Uh, phrases. The word of the Lord. Came to Jeremiah. The prophet. The word of the Lord came to. For a second time to Jonah. That meant. The revelation of God himself. In, in some sense. Jesus is the, the agent of God. Because it's self-expression there. But God. Jesus himself is God. So when we go to. The next part. We see the full equality. Of Jesus with the God the Father. The word was with God. And the word was God. The Trinity shows up. The expression something is with someone. It implies communion, fellowship. It's a two identity, n- not a um, the, uh, unitarian idea of the one God and it's called a moralism. So, you know, the typical mistakes that Christians can make is the same thing also to to our kids. I used to teach <laughs> this way, wrong way. Well, Trinity of God is this. You know, the H2O, when it's uh, s- solid, it's ice H two O. When it's liquid, it's water. Uh, when it's steamed up and vapor, it's H two O. Two. It's a three different modes. No, <coughs> that's not Trinity God of God. Trinity of God is the three distinctive person, but it's not tritheism because that will be Mormon's concept. The three different gods uh, going at it. Three distinctive persons and one essence. Three in one. Jesus is not the Father. Father is not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is not Jesus. But Jesus is God. God the Father is God. God the Holy Spirit is God. I think it was St. Augustine. Sometimes there's a dispute in that who said it. But it's good enough for us to understand and remember. it. If you deny, if you try to understand the Trinity of God, you will lose your mind. But if you deny the Trinity of God, you will lose your soul. So one of the concepts, theological concept that you could delve into will be the Trinity of God uh, some of you took a soul care class and soul care has much of this teaching in there and then from which uh, from John Owens writing or Larry craft was it influenced by a lot of Puritan theology so the Puritan writers talk about their fellowship with the God the Son is very distinctly different from fellowship with God the Father and God the Spirit. And their expression in hymns and different writings and poems are incredibly deep. That's something we could look forward to as we study the Gospel of John. Fourth and last, all things were made through him. And Jesus making of all things as creator. we um, am going to repeat this one more time. That God used the word to create the word. The agent. Jesus is the agent of God's agent. But in yet Jesus is God himself. So we could say God created everything through God. Nothing is created without Jesus, that he is the source and the Lord of all things. In Colossians 1, 16 through 18, Apostle Paul reiterates this, For by him all things were created in heaven and, and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions, Or rules or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead, and in everything, that in everything he might be preeminent. there's a question that we need to embrace the probably the most important question in our human life who is jesus the prologue is all about who jesus is and before he tells anything else john the apostle presents us do you know jesus Do you know this Jesus? Not the caricature Jesus of our culture. Who do you say Jesus is? And if you listen and embrace and said yes to those three verses that I just expounded, what will be your response? What will be our church's response what will be proper posture we ought to have. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is all in all in Christian's life. And we do all things in the name of Jesus. That everything hinges upon who Jesus is. Facing the uncertainty of our future. If we have this Jesus as our Lord. The head of our church. We have nothing to be afraid. If Jesus. This Jesus is the center. Of your family. Of your life. He is the Lord of your heart. And lover of your soul. Your life will be revolutionized. There is no big enough problem than swallow you up because of this Jesus. Will you receive him? Will you worship him? Will you honor him? Today, let's pray. Father, thank you for this new series, and thank you for your guidance to this gospel. We're so uh, excited about what you're about to do uh, through this series, and help us to abandon the caricature Jesus of our culture. And even the slight distortion we have in our head, in our mind. May authentic Jesus show up as we study the Gospel of John. Jesus, you are the center of this church and you're head of this church. And as the uncreated being rule over us. Be glorified as we do everything in the name of Jesus in the coming days. In your name, in your mighty name, we pray. Amen.